Amen. Just making sure it sounds all good. I'm just going to move this out of the way because Josh didn't do it earlier. Um, all right. Thank you for that, Ashish. Um, like he said, welcome. Um, if you're new to the church, say hi in the chat. Um, let us know how you're doing. Um, wherever you are in the world, just tell us where you're at. Um, if you're watching this later as a pre-recording, hi. Uh, hopefully we'll soon uh, meet each other one day. But um, I think in general, just welcome and welcome to our community. Welcome to my community. Welcome to my uh, to this church. Um, this morning I have the privilege to talk about uh, hope. Um, hope is something that's been on my mind a lot lately. I think seeing what we've gone through last year, I think the word hope has been thrown around a lot because, well, a lot of us hope that this pandemic will be over and that a lot of us hope to see each other one day. And it really made me think about this, this particular word of hope. And I think this morning, um, I have a message. It's one of encouragement. I want us to rethink hope. Uh, rethink it as a, it's something that we actually grow. And God is very clear about this, especially in the New Testament, and he shows us this in the Old Testament, that hope is something that we, that we grow and we develop. And God uses that for immense power. So um, before I get going, I'm going to tell you guys a story. Uh, this is about, uh, I often have like really weird uh, questions that I ask Google because as, I'm just a curious person that way. So one, uh, one day I was researching about caterpillars, and uh, I was trying to figure out, uh, you know, how do, if, do caterpillars know if they're going to actually become butterflies? Do they have the conscious ability to know this? And long story short, it, it's indecisive. We don't know. We don't know if caterpillars know if they're going to become butterflies. But what's interesting is that a, caterp a caterpillar will actually go through four different stages of development before they actually become a butterfly. And one of those stages is actually quite critical. And this is where it becomes from, it goes from a cocoon to a butterfly. Um, you see, in this stage, a butterfly or a, a caterpillar at that point, right, it becomes a goo. It goes through this process called metamorphosis where its internal organs, its tissues, they all change. And uh, they change to become something more. They transform. And it's interesting because after it goes through this crazy transformation, um, it now has to get out of its cocoon. And this is what's interesting about that is that most butterflies, uh, this will be the most amount of struggle that they face in their whole life. After this, they become butterflies, and then they get, they, they're more worried about surviving and finding a mate. But in this particular point, most butterfly breeders will tell you that this is where you either lose most of your butterflies or you don't. And this is because a butterfly has to, with its own strength, has to break open that uh, cocoon uh, with its wings. And, uh, sorry, I'm having some mic issues here. Um, you see, when a butterfly is trying to, it, what it does is it pumps blood into its wings. And these are wings that it's never actually developed fully. And it does this, and it starts straining muscles that it's never done before. And once it does that, um, it starts opening up that cocoon. And what's interesting about this particular part is that 
if butterflies are helped in this process, so if there's sometimes a human intervention or if there's, um, you know, there's that cocoon has been like naturally opened, some of these butterflies don't actually end up flying well. They don't develop the necessary muscles to completely become the fullness of their butterflyness. They actually need to go through that struggle in order to become a surviving butterfly. It's interesting how in nature, this idea of going through struggle and sometimes like developing into something more, something that God has like built and like just put into, um, into the creatures around us. But he actually says that about us as well. Um, so I'm going to start off just by uh, reading James. Uh, James, uh, he says, James 1, verse 2, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, um, when you meet trials of various kinds. Romans 5, verse uh, 3 and 4, Not only that, but we rejoice. Paul's saying, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. When we face struggle, in a way here, we're supposed to have a, a, a joyous response towards it. Or maybe, maybe have like a, a joyous front as we go into that struggle. And I wonder, how can we do that? And why should we even do that? So this is what I want to focus on today, is how, how can we as Christians, how can we have this joyous response? And the second part is why? Why should we even do this like what 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 is it what's in it for us or what 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 is god designed in us to do this so start off the first question how um there's a few things i think it's very clear in in, in romans 5 right paul says he almost lays out um a, a framework what he does he actually uses the present tense he says he almost asserts it right i'll read it again he says um we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that uh Suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. The underlining pillar in what Paul is saying is that Paul is saying, trust what God will do. Trust what he is going to do with this process of struggle. Um, I think that's, that's hard to do sometimes. You see, knowing what God will do and trusting what God will do they probably sound the same, but uh, there's a different level of confidence there. It's one that comes from um, maybe experience. You know, a lot of us, I don't know what the last year has been for you, but um, I know I've heard of a lot of friends and a lot of, um, yeah, family members as well who've gone through a lot of different things. I just read this past week, I was um, on my social media, and two good friends of mine who lived out in the West Coast I just found out they both got divorced around the same time. And you know, like these two, these two guys that I knew, um, I mean, like I looked up to these people in a lot of ways and it, it hurt me. It, I, I felt, I was like, like what could have gone so wrong that then that this had to happen? You know, I think all of us are used to seeing this and it's sometimes difficult when, when we ourselves are carrying hurt. When we ourselves are carrying trauma, you know, even just the daily struggles of life, uh, the stresses of school, parents trying to teach their kids at home, like all of us are on a daily basis going through different struggles. 
And it's sometimes hard to get the bigger perspective or really trust of like what's gonna, what, what, what God can do through this when we're deep in the trenches. Because we are human, you know, and we are, um, we're not, we sometimes are not able or capable sometimes of thinking outside like that. Um, I think, I think a really, um, it reminds me a lot of a story in the Old Testament. Um, Elijah, uh, he, he, a lot of people will say that he actually went through a season of depression. Um, Elijah, after Mount Carmel, it says in 1 Kings uh, chapters, uh, chapter 19, um, there's a story that happens where God encountered God on a different, uh, or where Elijah encountered God on a different level. Um, you see, much like how some of us maybe feel through the daily struggles, Elijah had reached a point of surrender. I think in the past few weeks, we've heard of different stories here at church where people have been like, I'm done. I'm done, God. And someone flopped on the bed. <laughs> I, Elijah almost felt the same, I think. So just to give a bit of backstory, um, after Mount Carmel, Elijah um, got word that um, the queen wanted to kill him. And this is weird um, because he's actually faced this before. Lots of many, many times before that, people have said, hey, like, we want to encounter you. Often there, there might be some bloodshed and stuff. And Elijah always responded with courage, but not this time. This time was different. He actually fled. He felt fear and he ran away. He fled to a place, and, 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 um, and when he was resting and when he was sleeping, an angel came and said, hey, I need you to eat something. Here's some, here's some water, and there were some baked goods there. He went to sleep again, and then the angel woke him up, up again and said, hey, I need you to go to Mount Horeb, or the Lord is calling you to go to Mount Horeb. This is symbolic because Mount Horeb is arguably probably one of the places where God actually manifested a lot. He encountered Moses up there. Um, to, to Elijah, you could say that maybe God was calling him to get close. Um, Elijah obeys. He goes to Mount Horeb, and uh, it takes him actually more than double the time. I was looking this up, and it's, it takes him 40 days and 40 nights to get to Mount Horeb, which is, yeah, well over double the time from where he was at. It, it gives you an indication of to like how or like where he was at. He wasn't in a, in, a, in a good place, you could say. He was done. He was tired, emotionally wrecked. And in fact, when God asks him, so when, when Elijah gets back or when Elijah gets to Mount Horeb, God asks him, he said, what are you doing here? And Elijah says, God, I'm jealous for you. I'm like your only prophet that's been working. I've been like obeying you this whole time. And now people want to kill me. Why don't you just take my life? Elijah was, he's giving up. So God doesn't actually even respond to that. What he says is like, hey, okay, instead of hiding in the cave, how about we like get out of the cave and let's uh, and, 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 uh, come outside and I'll meet you there. Elijah doesn't quite obey this time. He goes right to the edge of the cave and he stands there and then there's immense winds that tear up the whole mountain. 
then there's an earthquake, then there's fire. So God is manifesting and like he's using the weather, you know. But it says that God wasn't in any of those. After these weather changes or whatever, um, Elijah hears a whisper and he says that God was in that whisper. And God asks him again, he says, what are you doing here? What, what are you doing here? And Elijah says the same thing. He says, I've been jealous for you. I've been representing you. I've been doing everything you've told me. But now they want to kill me, and I'm done. Why don't you just take my life? And God, this is what's crazy. Um, God asks him, this is what he says. He doesn't respond to that again. He says, Elijah, I need you to go to Damascus. And I need you to go and name a new king of Syria, a new king of Israel. And then we're also, uh, we're going to get you another, another guy that you can start raising up. His name's going to be Elisha. And I think the importance of this story, or the reason why I want to use it here is, you see, oftentimes it's very easy for us to get stuck in our struggles. And stuck in the way that we get so consumed by it that we lose the overall mission that God has for us, that he's inviting us to be a part of. Elijah, I mean, Elijah felt alone. Elijah felt abandoned. He wanted to give up. What God did was, you know what? I'm going to make sure to take care of you physically first. He gives him food. He gives him rest. He said, now get close to me. He brings him to Mount Horeb and talks to him directly. You know, there must have been something beneficial to Elijah for having those questions. You know, why are you here? God never really answered, but God's there listening. But you see, at the end, what's important is that there's a mission that we're here to do. And I think that's where things change. It's God is almost asking us to sometimes, he, he understands our struggles. Trust me, he knows. But he's also asking us to be part of a mission. And those struggles that we face and, that, and those things that we are, and are trying to trench through, whether it's depression, anxiety, who knows? That's, he's there with you. But he also wants to use you through that. Those, those things don't define who you are by any means. God wants us to know that he will use those struggles for our good. You see, it's funny, like Paul says this in Romans 8.28, right? For those who love him, there's good that will come out of the things that they go through, always. Good might not look how you think good's going to look like, and that's, that, that's just that's something that we learn. But the way that we get from understanding how can we have a joyous response to struggle is first of all relying and standing on the pillar that God will do something good. The second part is why. Why should we do this? And this is where I get excited because it's one's because we can. Um, one is we are made to be hope bearers. We are we are just like candlesticks or just like cauldrons that hold candles. Like we hold hope. And, and this is where Paul is trying to get at when he talks about in Romans 5, where hope, uh, where, where struggles produce endurance. 
And then endurance produces character. And then character produces hope. You see, this is almost like, uh, he's almost laying it out like a formula. I'm not going to call it, but maybe we could call it. It's almost, imagine if we were all farmers and I was like, hey, uh, we can be confident that in our planting, the seed will produce a tree and the tree will produce branches and the branches will produce fruit. To Paul, it's matter of fact. I think for us, that's probably a bit harder to learn. But I think if we look into each of our lives and we start seeing the struggles that we've actually overcome, we can see that something has changed. So let's break down in endurance. You see, we can, be, we can trust that God's going to be with us through struggles. Why? Because he says he will. First Thessalonians chapter 5 May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. 1 Corinthians 1. Father, well, Paul, Paul's talking to the Corinthians about, heavenly, about our God, and he says, Our God, who will sustain you in the end, Guiltless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is faithful. Uh, Actually, one of the verses I used earlier, James 1, if you go to verse 4, so James 1, verse 4, it says, and let steadfastness, and it's actually the same word in the Greek, and let endurance have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. No matter how you suffer or no matter what you go through, Paul is asking us to trust. And if you really think about it, do we really think that God is not big enough and not strong enough to keep to his promises? We know that he's going to bring us through the endurance part. And it's beautiful because from the endurance part, it says that it creates a character. Uh, the word character that Paul uses in the Greek, it's not, it's not just like a, it's not like your typical character, like a characteristic of a person. It's actually like, uh, it implies a provenness aspect to it. Provenness in the way that like it's been tested, it's been trialed. What's saying here is that a proven character, you know, that's been tested through trials is something that we're trying to develop. The same way that that caterpillar goes through like a metamorphosis, metamorphic transformation inside of a cocoon, in a way you could think that this transformation of character building is not just adding something to us. It's, not, it's a proven thing that we start developing over and over again. It's something that changes inside of us. That's the character that we're, we're trying to develop because that's the character but then produces hope. You see, hope is not just something, it's not wishful thinking. Hope is something that we grow. Biblical hope is something that we develop, and it gets stronger the more we use it. Um, I love this quote from, um, from a preacher that I, I like to listen to. You know, 
Sometimes hope has let us down in this world. Sometimes we've been maybe overly positive in situations, and then it turns out to we were wrong. But that's not this kind of hope that God's saying, because Paul makes it very clear. He says in verse 5, he says of Romans 5, and hope that does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. Hope that does not put us to shame. This is a hope that you can rely on, right? This is a hope that um, it's never going to be, you're not, you're not, we're not going to be left at the altar because we hoped in this. We're not going to be left on the side just because, you know, we, were, we really wanted you know, to, I don't know, to really be that light in that situation or in our own situation. This is a hope that um, we can build and, and dream from. This is the kind of hope that God is trying to develop, the biblical kind of hope. I was going to say the pastor quote. Um, his name is Bryce Morgan. He says, God won't show up one day shrug his divine shoulders and say, sorry, I really tried, but I couldn't pull it off. You know, he is good enough and he is strong enough to keep all his promises, right? Amen, that's right. Um, I think before I end, I, uh, yeah, just to do a little recap. Um, biblical hope is not something that is, you know, good luck. It's not wishing for good luck. It's, there's a future look and faith that's required from us when we do hope. Um, when we hope, uh, or when we start developing hope, there's one critical aspect, I think, that um, might help us get closer to God and trust Him in all this, and that sometimes is surrender. Um, this idea of letting go of expectations and the outcomes that we've planned in our heads and letting God take care of that. Uh, when we face struggle, um, in order to be trusting that that situation is actually going to grow or, and is going to develop this endurance and then character and then this hope, we got to be able to be workable. we got to be able to be malleable. We have to be in a place in our minds and in our hearts, that we know God will carry us through it. No matter how small or how big, God will carry us through it. Um, I think last year, for me, it was hard. Um, I, it's hard, guys. I, um, I struggle with loneliness, it's maybe not something that um, a lot of people know, but some of you guys know. And I, I don't... Uh, it's something I ignored for a long time. I, you see, when the lockdown happened, I couldn't live by myself. I had to go and live with Josh and Enoch because uh, I wasn't going to make it. I got really to a really dark place. 
Um, you see, my whole life, I've kind of felt that in order to feel full, I needed people. I needed to be around people. I needed people around me to feel like I was okay. But then that wasn't possible anymore. And what I found was that I was, the things that I relied upon, which weren't God, they perished, they left. And I was truly experiencing the most loneliness I've ever experienced, ever. Um, God and I struggled. I, I would ask him, why? Like, why would you make me an extroverted person and then stick me in the situation where I can't really, like, do much with, with my extrovertedness? You see that my, this, this feeling of loneliness, without even realizing, had gone into areas of my life where I, uh, yeah, it would affect how I would do at work. I would look for affirmation in areas which were not healthy. Um, I would look for, to get close to people that, again, were not healthy just because they filled this gap of hope. And so then God, I remember one night I had a dream, and he showed me a heart. And he showed me a heart, I think it was in the color blue, but it was full of holes. It was full of holes everywhere. Like it was in three dimensions, you could see holes because I could see the blood leaving it. It was blue blood, so it didn't look that gross because he knows I can't handle red blood. <laughs> but um, he said something along the lines of, um, you see those pockets that you feel are your loneliness that you're trying to fill with other people, that's, where, that's what I'm supposed to be filling in. Right? That's where I come in. Instead of looking to fill that with, with others, you're supposed to fill that with me, Vargas. And so I... Uh, <laughs> it's true. I... Um, <laughs> you know, since then, I've slowly gotten to the point where it's like, okay, I need to get close to God, closer to God, especially in the times when I'm struggling with this loneliness. I still struggle with it today. But the same way that God called Elijah to him and got him out of his cave to just be in the presence of God, it's the same thing that he's doing with me. And it's especially difficult when I'm in the middle of it, but that's what is required. The second thing is now the hope that's being developed for me is I get to dream of a day when I don't feel lonely. There's going to be a day when I don't have to rely on others. Whatever your struggle is, is going to be the same. But it's the hope that we have and the hope that we can... um, The hope that we can bring or the hope that is being called for us to develop is one that one day will actually exist, I believe, and will actually be something that we feel. You know, hope is there to be exercised in the times of hopelessness to fill it up. Um, Yeah. 
I didn't think I was going to get emotional, but it did happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, should be, oh, he's going to pray. Yeah, do you want to pray? Yeah, sure. Okay, let's do it. And uh, this was an amazing message. Thanks for your vulnerability. Okay, so um, I just want to, um, I want to put this out there. If you're struggling with something, you don't have to struggle alone. We, we as a community can, we as a community can come um, and, and walk with you. And so you can, when you visit our website, there you can, you can, you have the, the number, the phone number and the, and the, and the email address. You can, you can email us or you can call us. And, and we want to know how you're doing. And, and we want to walk with you and, and be there for you. And, and this is such an amazing message, um, uh, Alex, because, because with character comes the renewing of your mind. And, and the renewing, renewing of your mind also um, happens through a transformation. And that transformation is similar to that of metamorphosis. And, 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 and when we, and the best way to renew our mind and build our character is to be, and is to spend time with God. And, and, and I would challenge each one of you, um, let's, let's spend, let's make time this week to spend time with God. And, and let's make it as a priority. That, and, and just like Elijah, let's, let's go in, into the presence of God and listen to the tender voice of God. And, and walk out of our situation energized, motivated, and, and as, a new, as a new person. So I, I just want to pray before we end. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for, um, for um, um, this message, O oh Lord. This is a message for the season. And, and, and Lord, um, that your presence is sufficient for us. Your presence is sufficient for us. And, and whatever is our problem or challenges, O oh Lord, are, 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 um, that we may have, we bring them to you. But, but, we, 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 but we want to go beyond our challenges. We want to go beyond our problems. And we want to hear your voice. Because we know that, that our problems are momentary, our challenges are momentary. But you are with us always. And you have a great plan for us. Lord, we commit this week into your hands. And, want, and we want to spend time with you this week. We want to make time to, sp to spend time with you. Lord, we, we, we thank you so much because you're so good. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we'll be here again next week. God bless you all. <laughs>